all of us celebrate Christmas in our own special way. We've all got traditions. We've got different things that we do. When I was growing up, Christmas Eve was spent at my dad's side of the family in River Grove, Illinois. We would eat a massive turkey dinner together and then we would go into the living room after that and we would pass out song sheets to everyone in the room. And then the record player, yes, a record player, uh, would begin spinning Sing Along with Mitch Miller and we would sing Christmas songs together. Then one of the grandkids would get to play Santa and begin distributing the gifts from under the tree to everyone seated around the room. And then that was kind of how we spent Christmas Eve every year. And then Christmas Day was spent at my mom's side of the family in Elgin, Illinois. And here we would eat massive amounts of appetizers and finger food as we waited for the annual ornament exchange. And each family would hand make uh, or by handmade, if you ran short of time or talent, in my case, uh, ornaments. Uh, we handmade ornaments, one for each other family, and then we would spend time opening the ornaments from each family simultaneously, so that way everybody got to see them at the exact same time. And we were excited to have another batch of ornaments to add to our already full trees the following year. And that tradition continues today. Uh, with all the different families from all the grandkids now, uh, and we all send them across the country, but we do those ornament exchanges every year still. And we all remember, though, the celebration of Christmas in our own special ways. We've all got different traditions. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are no different than we are, as they wrote the gospels, which are really biographies, uh, stories that had their purpose in showcasing the identity and the significance of Jesus. They, each one of those gospel writers remembered Christmas, the day that Jesus entered the world, in their own special ways. And they placed different emphases on that story. Matthew, he tells us about Joseph, who was visited by an angel, who informed him about the son that his wife was going to give birth to. He tells us about the wise kings, uh, who recognized the baby Jesus as king of the Jews once he was born. Mark's gospel, on the other hand, actually doesn't mention anything about Jesus' birth. It's silent on the subject. Instead, he begins his story about Jesus with John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, who prepared the way for him by preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then we come to Luke, and Luke gives us the classic Christmas story that many of us have acted out as children in church Christmas programs. You've heard many times before, Luke tells of angels visiting Mary and her sister Elizabeth, letting them know that they're going to have children. And then he tells us the classic King James Version language that Linus quotes in Charlie Brown's Christmas special. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And it begins the Christmas story told by Luke. And we hear how there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn in Bethlehem. So they gave birth to Jesus and placed him in a feeding trough in a manger. And he also tells us about the shepherds who heard the great news of the Savior's birth while they were standing in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks that night. And then there comes John's gospel. And let's see uh, together how John's gospel begins. In John 1, we're going to read 1 through 5 and 9 through 13. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, 
and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now, John doesn't mention angels, shepherds, Mary, Joseph, or the wise men. John assumes that we already know those stories. We've read them somewhere else, and instead of retelling them from his perspective, he gives us an introduction to his story about Jesus that is full of poetry and word pictures and metaphors, and all of them help demonstrate the significance of Jesus' mission and his entrance into our world really his world. And it's John who gives us one of the clearest images of what Christmas really is all about. It's an image that has its roots in Old Testament prophecy. It's an image that Jesus himself used to describe his mission. It's an image that we will celebrate together on Christmas Eve when we light candles together. And it's an image of the good news that we need to remember and we need to share every opportunity we get. And it's this, John reminds us that at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus is the light of the world who came to extinguish all darkness. Jesus is the light of the world who came to extinguish all darkness. And this time of year, over any other, we need to remember that. Jesus is the light and the darkness has no place when Jesus is present. John's introduction to his gospel helps us understand this image. He starts off with the same words that begin Genesis, in the beginning. The book of Genesis and the gospel of John both begin with the words in the beginning. But instead of giving us a detailed account of how the world came into being like Genesis does, John tells us that in the beginning, the word Jesus already existed. And he continues by telling us that this word was with God in the beginning and the word was God. Everything that exists, exists because of him. Not one thing was made without his influence and his power behind it. His didn't just come to life. Jesus didn't just come to life. He is life itself. And all life comes from him. He is the light and the life of the world. Here in the opening sentences of the, his biography of Jesus, John's gospel, John reminds us that Jesus was present at creation, that he isn't merely a man who had a humble birth in a stable. He wasn't even just a king or a prophet or a miraculous healer, but Jesus is God. 
And we can even lose sight of that as followers of Jesus. We can, we can lose track of that in the story and we can lose track of that in, in the narratives that we read and we think of Jesus in the context of who he was as a man, but we can never forget who he was at the dawn of creation when everything in chaos became ordered and Jesus spoke the universe into being. Jesus is fully God. And it was at creation that Jesus gave light and gave life to all people. Even at that time, he was the light of the world. And in the beginning, the world was full of life. It was full of light. That was the perfection that God created. God the Father through Jesus created humanity in his image so that we could be in relationship with him. So we could have relationship with God. And he gave us the responsibility of caring for all of creation and he created us to be in relationship with one another, to love one another and everything was good and everything was full of light. That was the world that God created. And if the story stopped there, the creation story, we wouldn't be celebrating Jesus' birth in a couple of weeks. Christmas wouldn't exist because there would have been no need for Jesus to be born. But we all know that everything didn't remain as God created it. And I think 2020 is enough proof of that, right? If there's ever a year that indicates that the world is broken, 2020 is a great proof of that. A broken year to demonstrate that our world is indeed broken. And instead, Adam and Eve, they broke relationship with God when they disobeyed him. When Adam and Eve decided what we want is more important than what God has created for us and the plan that he has put in place for us, and we're going to go our own way. And immediately when they disobeyed him, they knew that what they had done was not right. So they went and they hid. And where did they hide? They hid in darkness. Darkness is where we go to hide when we are out of relationship with God. So that they wouldn't have to face God. But God didn't leave them there. He didn't allow them to just exist in darkness apart from him. He pursued them. He sought them out because he didn't want them to be in the shadows living in darkness. He didn't create us to live that way. And ever since then, God has been trying to have his children live in the light to come out of the darkness. But humans have continued to separate themselves from the light of God. Ever since Adam and Eve, we've all done it. We've exchanged our relationship with God for sin and we've stopped loving those around us the way he's commanded us to. We've chosen to separate ourselves from the light that God gave us and instead to live in darkness, to surround ourselves with darkness. This is the broken human condition. This is the reality that we all find ourselves in. When I was a youth pastor a long time ago, uh, my first job actually as a youth pastor in Schaumburg, Illinois, northwest suburb of Chicago, I remember one of the things uh, I did a, a late night activity at the church. I remember us playing a game at the church one time. I don't know if we ever played it again, and you'll see why. Um, but we had the whole church to ourselves one night, just uh, me, my leaders, and, and the students. So we turned off every light in the building even covered the security lights, made it pitch black, and we played this game in the dark. Okay, pitch inky blackness in the church, and we played some version of capture the flag or tag or something like that. The rules are a little fuzzy to me 25 years later or even why we did it, 
but the results are not fuzzy. I remember them well. The building is pitch black, crazy dark, and students were running through the building from one room to another. Yeah, nothing can go wrong here. Uh, this, is, this is perfectly fine, perfectly normal. I look back on my early 20s, uh, my first time youth pastor version of myself, and I wonder how in the world am I still in ministry today with the incredibly naive and boneheaded things that I did. Um, I, I am just astounded at myself. But eventually this night, as the students were playing this game and screams are echoing throughout the building, eventually I brought out a flashlight. I had one of those big six cell mag lights uh, that you can beat people off with. And so I had one of these things and I, I'm just going through the building and I'm walking around and I start just kind of turning it on in random rooms to freak out students and to kill their night vision. Fun, right? So I walked into one room and I hit the light and it was like roaches scattering, okay? They, they go out of the room and they go running. Something nefarious was going on. So I walked into the room and there in the middle of the room, I found a lighter, some silly putty, and a bag of peppermints. No idea. But whatever it was, my flashlight had put an end to it. I have no idea what was going on. Think of this. When Jesus came into the world, he illuminated the darkness. Sin could no longer stay hidden. The light brought everything out in the open, and light has that effect on sin. We can no longer take part in whatever deeds we take part in under the cover of darkness because Jesus came to bring light, to illuminate the darkness so we can no longer hide in our sin. I walked into another room and hit my flashlight and there was this middle school girl who was just sitting there in the corner, just kind of sitting there huddled up and she was thrilled when the light came because she was terrified, once again, good youth pastor, Pastor Jeff, uh, terrifying my middle school girls, but she didn't want to move around in the darkness, so she decided just to sit there and wait for this whole thing to end as she sat there in the darkness and just waited. And think of it this way, church. Just please don't think of Pastor Jeff as an ignorant youth pastor. But when Jesus came into the world, he brought light. He brought light to a world who was trapped in darkness. They didn't know the way out and was just sitting there waiting for someone to bring light to them. And guys, I want you to know the world that we live in is filled with people who are in the same situation as that middle school girl was. They're trapped in darkness. They don't know the way out. They don't want to live in the darkness, but they don't know how to find their way free. And so they're just sitting there waiting for someone to bring them light for it just to end. For thousands of years, God tried to help his people move back into the light. He gave the people of Israel light through the law, and through his covenant promises, but they continued to live in darkness and disobedience. So then through the prophets, he promised his people a Messiah, a savior, a king, a liberator, who would shine light into the darkness and enable people to walk in the light. And then at the perfect moment in God's timeline, as one version of scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to fulfill all of these roles. And on the very first Christmas day, Jesus was born into a world of darkness so that he could bring an end to darkness. And the darkness was thick. You know, the first Christmas was not as peaceful as Hallmark cards show it to be. Uh, soon after Jesus was born, 
King Herod murdered all the babies who were two years old and under in the region in hopes that he would kill baby Jesus in the process, who was a threat to his power and authority. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor during Jesus' day, regularly beat groups of people who opposed his rule. He beat them into submission. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was ridiculed and questioned and hated by many of his own Jewish brothers and sisters. But none of this stopped him from completing the mission that he came to fulfill. John 1, 4, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Now, the second half of this verse can be read a couple of different ways. His life, uh, the life that he himself is the source for, brought light to everyone. And in the darkness before creation, at the beginning of all things, he brought light. He brought order to the chaos. The light of Christ was the order into the void of nothingness. But to anyone who has read the gospel according to John, anybody who has read that before and is coming back to read this again, they're not thinking creation at this point, are they? It takes on an entirely new possibility because his life, when Jesus walked this planet, just like you and I do, his life brought light to everyone. The presence of Jesus, Jesus the person, fully God and fully man, the miraculous, the teacher, the prophet, he came and he walked the roads that we walk. His teaching, his miracles, his compassion, his love, ultimately his death and his resurrection. This brought light to everyone. And it's that duality of Jesus present at creation. And then in his time on earth, now bringing it all together full circle, we see the wholeness of Jesus being brought to bear. Not only was Jesus present in eternity before creation and brought everything into being, but at one critical moment, Jesus left eternity, entered into our timeline to bring us light and to bring us life. And once we discover that truth and we believe that truth and we live into that truth, the light of Christ is in us. And there's a promise here that is an anchor for us in this life. And that promise is this, Jesus is still creating today and what he recreates will never be destroyed. When we experience new life in Christ, we have now secured for ourselves eternity in the presence of God because Jesus has made a way for us to leave the darkness behind and to walk in his light. Jesus was God present as a man in this world. He was a prophet who revealed to humanity how we could live alongside of one another and love each other. He was a friend to the outcasts of society. At that day, the women, the prisoners, the hungry, the lepers, and all those who were deemed sinners by other people. He was the light of the world, shining light into the darkness. Now I want us to stop and think for a moment, because it gave me pause as I wrote that. Who would Jesus have hung out with if he had come to today's world? Who are the people that Jesus would have identified in our culture as the outcasts, the forgotten, the lonely? And I want us to think, who would those people be? And then I want us to remember that those are the same people we should be loving as well. But then John tells us when John, Jesus was in the world, many of his own people who were living in darkness did not accept him. They rejected him. These are his fellow Jews, and they rejected him. They didn't want to receive light. 
or at least they didn't identify it as light. So they crucified Jesus, hoping to rid themselves of the light so they could continue to live in darkness. But church, this was not the end. Jesus' death, his crucifixion was not the end. God had other plans. And God used Jesus' death on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt that was owed from my sin, from yours. And three days after he died, Jesus conquered the darkness of death by rising from the grave. He ascended back into heaven. And now he reigns there once again over all of creation. That tells us what the end of the story will be. But unfortunately, we aren't there yet, are we? You and I have not reached the end of the story. We have a part to play in this story. We get to connect our story to God's story. In fact, the light of Jesus makes it possible for us to reconnect our story to God's story. It's the light of Christ that enables that process to take place. And I think most of us are pretty aware that everything is not okay in this world. Everything is not perfect in this world around us. People are still pretty broken. This world is not what it should be by any stretch of the imagination. And we see in the world around us, we see this when a mass shooting occurs. We see it when tragedy strikes. We see it uh, all throughout this past calendar year. Uh, we can see it in our own lives when, when your spouse tells you that they don't think they can continue in the marriage anymore. We see it when we lose a parent. When a friend talks about you behind your back, when you find out that your child is addicted to drugs, or you wrestle with anxiety and self-loathing because of regrets that are tied to your past and mistakes you have made or things that were done to you, we see a broken world. It's in those moments that we know that everything isn't okay in this world. We know that darkness is still here. And we could be left wondering how these things happen in the world even after Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the light of the world entered it at Christmas 2,000 years ago. One of the best illustrations of this that I know was written by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was a, a Lutheran pastor uh, who was arrested during World War II because of his resistance to Hitler's regime. Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor. And there were many church leaders in Germany who gave in to Hitler and just went along with things. But Bonhoeffer stood strong with only a few other resistors. And he was also an amazing theologian who left behind some incredible writings. If you ever want to dig deep into theology, reading the works of Bonhoeffer are, are really incredible. But some of his writings, uh, which are really unique, were letters from prison uh, when he was under arrest during World War II, written to those on the outside. Uh, and I think of Paul, who wrote some of his most significant writings when he was in prison as well. But in a letter dated November 21st, 1943, Bonhoeffer wrote this. Life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. Advent, obviously, is the season leading up to Christmas Day where we remember Jesus coming into the world. Life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. One waits, hopes, and does this, that, or the other, things that are really of no consequence. The door is shut and can only be opened from the outside. Life in a dark prison cell. And I think that this is a great way to think about the situation of humanity. Before Jesus came, there was only a sliver of light entering the cell through the bottom of the door. People were living in complete darkness without the possibility of escape. It was hopeless. But then one day, 
which we celebrate on Christmas, the door was opened from the outside. Jesus came into the cell. Jesus entered our situation. He lived with those inside in the middle of their darkness. He told them about a new life that was outside that they could experience if they would only follow him out of that cell, if they would walk through the door with him. He told them that it was infinitely better than anything they'd experienced up until that point. He told them there was a better way, his way. Some listened, some trusted him, but others kicked him out of the cell. They were used to the darkness, they were content with it, they had become so used to living in the cell that they couldn't imagine anything else. Anything better even awaited them somewhere. And I want you to stop and think for a minute this morning. Are you personally, is your family, are you living for today or are you living for eternity? Because that perspective changes everything. What is the darkness that you could be tempted to cling to rather than letting it go to follow Jesus? What has the potential to have that kind of hold on your life? We all need to be asking ourselves those questions every single day to make sure we're not running back to live inside the cell that Jesus has freed us from. And after Jesus was kicked out of the cell, some of the people who trusted him followed the path he showed to the way out. These followers of Jesus discovered a new world outside of the darkness of the cell, a world full of light and peace and love and faith and hope and joy. And so they... They experienced that personally, but then they ran back to the cell to tell others the good news. They told the others inside that they should trust this Jesus guy who came and opened the cell and follow his path out of the door and into the light. They were witnesses to the light and the amazing new life that came along with it. And many people did follow them out, but even more choose to remain inside their prison cell, a cell they've grown used to, a cell that their eyes had become adjusted to the darkness. And this cell is like the world that we continue to live in today, church. And we're the church. We are the messengers. We are the ones who have followed Jesus out into the light, and we are the messengers who should be constantly returning to the darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit to let others know that they can be free from that darkness because of God's great gift to them. And let me ask another question for us to think about today. Which is worse, the person who is trapped in the cell and refuses to leave the darkness to enter the light, or the person who has left the cell and refuses to return to share the way out with those who are still trapped there? Then ask yourself, when was the last time I shared the way out with someone who is living in darkness? This Christmas season, we celebrate that God did not leave us in the dark cell, but sent Jesus to show us the way towards light and new life. And we look ahead with incredible anticipation to the day when Jesus is coming back and will complete his work of extinguishing all darkness because we know that the darkness will never be able to overcome the light. John 1.12 tells us, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. John tells us the way out of the cell. John tells us that all who receive Jesus, all who believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the light of the world sent to save us from our sins, everyone who believes will receive forgiveness, 
will become children of God and have eternal life forever with him. That is the good news of Christmas. And if you haven't ever trusted in Jesus as Savior of this world and the Savior of your own life, then there is no better time than in this season where we celebrate his arrival into our world. You can make that decision today to follow Jesus out of the darkness and into his life and his light. But if you have, if you have believed in Jesus and followed him into light and new life, then you have the opportunity to ask God to search your heart to show you any darkness that still exists there and to send the Holy Spirit to illuminate it, to fill it with light. And finally, you also have a mission. You're called to go back to the darkness, to tell others about the light of the world and the freedom that he brings. You're called to carry the light of Christ into the world so that others may receive the greatest gift on earth. We, through Jesus, are the light of the world. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. No matter how dark this world looks, no matter how bad things get, no matter how things get culturally, no matter how things get ethically, no matter how things get politically, no matter how things get on a global stage, no matter how things get in any capacity that you look around you, you need to understand that the light shines even brighter in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. John is writing his gospel from the other side of the resurrection. He's seen the darkness. He's experienced the ultimate defeat in the death of Jesus. He was there, but he's seen how it all turns out. Jesus won. Jesus was resurrected. The victory is already ours. You need to understand darkness can never extinguish the light not even in death, because we're not living for today, we're living for eternity. So when we're facing the tough circumstances of our broken world, we need to remember that we're living on the other side of the resurrection, that the light shines in the darkness and shines even brighter, and the darkness can never extinguish the light. You may not see it, the light may be hidden at times, but we can have confidence that the light is still shining. It will never fade and nothing can take that light away from you. What Jesus recreates will never be destroyed and you will spend eternity in heaven with him. Jesus' life brought light to everyone, not just to those who would accept it, not only to those who would embrace it, but to everyone. Whether you have the light of Jesus in your life or not, you need to know the light is for you. The greatest gift ever given in the history of the universe is not an exclusive one. It's available to everyone. You were designed to live in the light and you've been given a choice. Will I stay in the darkness or will I live in the light? As we close today, we're going to pray for that light to be more real to us than ever. And this isn't just a metaphor. This is Jesus. He is the light, the order, the power of creation, all at work in us and through us to pierce the darkness of this broken world. We get to live in that light and we get the privilege to carry that light into the darkness to show others the way. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the light of the world. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation through him that you have led us out of the darkness. You have set us free from that prison cell that we were trapped in, that we could not escape. But Jesus, you have opened that door 
You've come in with us and you've led us out into the light. God, help us to live in the light, not to surround ourselves with darkness, but God, help us to penetrate the darkness with your light and bring that message of hope to those who need it so desperately. God, don't let us ever get so uh, wrapped up in us just living our own contented existence. But God, I pray that you would constantly challenge us to go back to those who are still living in prison and to bring the message of hope to them. God, I pray for any of those who are hearing this message today and are, are saying, I, I, I don't have that light in my life. I'm still living in the darkness. I'm still trapped in my own sin. God, I pray that they would find and discover what it means to follow you. And Jesus, I pray that in this moment, as they stop and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Would you lead me into your light? God, would you forgive them? Would you set them free? God, would you give them a whole new existence as they are recreated into the image of what you had intended for them to become from the dawn of time? Lord, I pray that you would help those of us who still allow darkness into our lives, who still allow things that are not of you into our lives. God, would you send your Holy Spirit to illuminate those dark places in our own hearts so that way we can be pure light walking into dark places and showing the world what Jesus looks like by the way we act, by the way we treat others and give us opportunity after opportunity to share your love, to share your light, and to lead others on the path towards it. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.